Welcome back to Theology in Action. My name is Tony Caffey, the senior pastor of Verse by Verse Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. And I'm here with my good friend, Kyle Mount. How you doing? We're going to talk about a subject that you and I have been here for almost a year now. We have some spirited conversations from time <laughs> to time on theology, on practice, and uh, you're, you're an astute person, not just in terms of theology, but also living things out in a practical way as Christians, and you've uh, talked with me about different subject matters, but the, the one we want to tackle today is important this time of year, Christmas. What do we do with Christmas? It's, what it, do we do with Christmas? <laughs> do, we, do we chuck it, you know, because it's got these kind of weird components to it? Commercialism runs rampant. Your yep. kids are way too obsessed about their presence. Not your kids, but kids in hey, general. They might be. I don't know. <laughs> you, you know, you got you got uh, some people who maybe over spiritualize Christmas uh, as like a time of year where this is now our time to be spiritually minded, and the the history of Christmas is convoluted, and there's different views on what it is. So I'm gonna start with you, Kyle. Just right. ask a big question, and you just tackle it. Is, is it a pagan holiday, Christian or Christmas? What do you think? Yeah, I mean that that's how that was my stance for the longest time, um, and it wasn't until maybe a couple of years ago that I started hearing people kind of talk about what the actual uh, historical documentation or evidence for Ooh. how tied it, are these things? You know, okay. something like Sol Invictus or Saturnalia, or you know, you'll hear people all the time say that. Um, what is it like? Dionysus or yeah. um, uh, uh, Horus in, in uh, you know, uh, ancient Egypt and stuff. They'll I don't say, know some of those specifics, but I do know December 25th yeah. was this holiday that originated, uh, not maybe not originated, but it was part of the Roman Empire, mm -hmm. and there was a pagan celebration at that time. Yeah. Constantine shows up, the Roman Empire gets Christianized, all of a sudden December 25th becomes... Jesus' birth. <laughs> right, and that's and that's the most common narrative. That's probably the one that most people will, will reach to. So we'll tackle that one. Okay, okay. so um, Constantine, what was that? Like maybe the... Mid-30s, mid-330s. Yeah, yeah, that holiday is called Sol Invictus, which is the, um, the birth of the victory of the sun, essentially. And uh, originally it wasn't, as far as we could tell, we don't have any documentation that it was always celebrated on December 25th. And this is something actually like, because I didn't grow up in a Catholic... Um, or, or even like a high church tradition. So I didn't even know this, but March 25th is apparently like a, a really celebrated time. And uh, especially in Catholicism, it's the, um, what do they call it? Do you, do you know what I'm Ascension talking about? March Day 25th, Ascension Day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I got this information. If you're interested, I can, you know, we could share a link off of uh, standareason.com. Okay. And uh, so they, they celebrate that as the conception of Jesus. Okay. And so, um, so you have that documentation that's, that dates about, you know, midway through the, you know, like 200 or 200 up to the 300. So it's a little bit before this, uh, documentation of Saturnalia and all that other stuff. Um, so there's a chance you're saying that the Christians celebrated December 25th as Christmas before yeah, and, uh, the Roman Empire. Specifically, we know uh, documentation says that uh, the Donatists, I think they were, they were like a heretical group in Catholicism, uh, that they did celebrate the birth of Christ. Now, we don't have the date that they celebrated it on, but they celebrated the birth of Jesus. 
And um, and so the evidence then goes to this letter plus one that um, uh, Augustine wrote, where he then links the uh, the not the birth of Christ, but the conception of Jesus, which he claims in this letter, which is I think his uh, treatise on the the Trinity. But okay. he he references this fact that Jesus was born on March twenty fifth. Okay. Or sorry, oh, Jesus. Sorry, Jesus was conceived the day he died, which was March twenty fifth. Uh, apparently, I tried looking this up to see like more details, but all I know is that he did. He does make this claim, and then he says, "And he was born." If you roll that up nine months, you go to December twenty fifth. So. Okay. And that's about. Does he affirm that Augustine and that? Yes, and oh, the December twenty fifth. Yeah, and and that's about again, you know, midway through the fourth century. So around the same time that you have this, um, you know, celebration of Jesus' birth on December twenty fifth. So boy, that sounds shaky. So I'm just saying, like he's your, <laughs> Augustine's your boy, right? Like I mean, you, you like yeah, him. but Augustine didn't know Hebrew, and whatever he does, like Old Testament stuff, he's sure. Like, I, and I'm not, I'm field. not saying he's accurate. I'm saying it was a commonly held belief. Um, <laughs> is that you have uh, these documents saying that people thought he was born or that he was conceived the day he died, which they say is March 25th. And we have documentation saying that even today, Catholics celebrate March 25th as the day Jesus was conceived. So it's not that stretch to say they're not idiots, right? You know, roll that up nine months and you're at December 25th. So, you know, it's if, if it was at that point, and we know that the Donatists did celebrate it, it's at least conceivable to say that that transpired before. So it's not, I, I wouldn't necessarily say there's a clear cut. That's what I mean is to say that the documentation that we have from history doesn't clearly support the fact that, oh yeah, the Christians just ripped that off so that they can then celebrate a debaucherous holiday for their Lord Jesus. Not quite as clear cut. All right, counsel me now. So I'm your pastor, but you do some counseling for me because I, I have a little bit of Puritan's strain in me, and the Puritans came to America, the Pilgrims, and they hated Christmas, because Christmas had become, uh, like you said, not just commercialized, but a time of kind of evil spread and almost like a modern-day, you know, Mardi Gras kind of feel, right? right? Uh, Which is incredibly ironic, because we celebrate Thanksgiving now because of them, and they hated Christmas, but anyways... (laughs) Um, so I have a little bit of that in me, like Christmas, you know, I can bah humbug Christmas a little bit. Sure. But as, and as I've aged, I've been like, okay, well, but the culture's talking about it. We're singing these amazing songs, like Hark the Herald Angels Sing and God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, songs that I've loved, that I've sung since I was a kid. So, so I, I have a kind of a love-hate relationship with Christmas. I like it because we can capture the cultural momentum to do something that's Christ-focused. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Uncle Jimbo, who wouldn't go to church normally, might come to Christmas service, and, and maybe that's the moment that the Lord uses to really capture his heart. So I'm, I'm for that, but at the same time, you know, I, 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 I buy some of these pagan roots, and I see, even if there's those pagan roots, maybe you're saying there's, it, it's not as strong as it could be, there has been paganism associated with Christian, sure. with, with Christmas over the years. And even in our modern day context, there's the commercialism is out of control. The uh, the the way in which people maybe overemphasize this time of year Christ and underemphasize it the other eleven months frustrates me as a pastor. So counsel me through that. Yeah. What's uh, 
what's good about Christmas, what's redemptive about it that we can use in our day, and then maybe what are some things that we should uh, set aside. So first, I would just like to say I'm maybe the uh, maybe maybe we have agreement, maybe we have some disagreement here. Uh, in my family, we look for any reason to celebrate something. So like you know we we pay off a debt and we're like everyone let's have everyone over and let's celebrate you know it's like something as silly as that so um you know having christmas is just another reason to be you know like what you were saying yes we celebrate and we worship christ every day but this is just like you know a, a, another reason right so jesus was you know hey maybe he was born this day maybe he wasn't but either he way let's celebrate born. he was definitely born yeah yep. and and this is the day we chose to celebrate the fact that he was born right so so it's more specific than just worshiping the Lord. It's worshiping the fact that he was born, yeah. right? And so there's there's just a and I would actually agree that uh, in the Christian context, you know, Easter would be more significant because of his death and resurrection sure. than even his birth, but Right, only two gospels mention the birth at all. Yeah. And one of them it's just kind of in passing reference. Yeah. But, you know, that you mentioned that, um, you know, it, it almost begs the question of like should we celebrate the birth of Jesus? And actually yeah. Augustine, uh, in in a similar you know letter, wrote that only pagans uh, celebrate uh, birthdays. Basically, it's something along those lines. He talked, he kind of bah humbugged celebrating even birthdays, and so that kind of leads people to believe, well, should we celebrate Jesus's birth? Like this seems strange, but but in those two documented ca- uh, uh, in the Bible, those documents of uh, his birth. Yep. You have this sort Matthew of Matthew and Luke, just yeah, to be clear. Matthew and Luke, yes, and you have this sort of celebratory nature to it, right? Yeah. The, uh, the the angels, angels show up. The angels show up, and they they drag these guys from the the field, saying, "Hey, yeah. come worship yeah. the king." Yeah. You have uh, these guys who traveled from the east uh, because they saw a star, and they're like, "We want to come worship the the king of the Jews," you know. So it's like you have this element of celebration of this event. So we should celebrate it. I, I think yeah. that there's at least a, a strong argument to it. Uh, you also have, you know, things like, you know, but it's not biblically, biblically mandated. Okay, well, Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. Um, you know, it wasn't called Hanukkah in the Bible, but I mean, they, he celebrated that. That's not strictly speaking called for in the scripture, but he did that. You know, that was something that he was like, yeah, I'm, I'll go up to Jerusalem. We'll celebrate um, this event. Um, and I absolutely agree with you. I think that um, the commercialism today is is outrageous. You know, the fact that you know, I, I have to constantly be reminding my kids, my kids right. are... Um, it's not in Super Bowl, though. I mean, you can still yeah. walk your kids through the importance of Christmas and, and tamp down that craziness. Right. I don't think it's like an impossible thing to do. Yeah, we don't, we, don't celebrate, like, we don't tell our kids about Santa, although I don't begrudge <laughs> people who do. You know, it's like, I, I, that's just not what my wife and I wanted to do, so we just didn't do that. But, um, but yeah, we, we focus on, on what it's about. And, um, and yeah, that just, like what you were saying, gives you a reason to talk about it to your you know, loved ones that maybe not uh, believing or maybe estranged from church, and you're like, "Hey, what? Why don't you come to church with me?" Um, so yeah, I I know that there is a history where it became it sort of like gained this debaucherous reputation, yeah. and I would just say that uh, it's similar to when the Apostle Paul right was talking about um, eating meat sacrificed to idols, yeah. Good. And, and you have this idea where um, you know, if if you're if you're particip- if you're participating knowingly in something that 
you're like, that kind of, like you would say, pricks my conscience. I, I feel bad about that. There's nothing wrong with you saying, I'm, I'm going to abstain. You know, I, I'm not going to do this. But if you're celebrating because, you know, with a, with a clean conscience before the Lord saying, I, I'm just wanting to worship the Lord Jesus, and this is a good reason to worship the Lord Jesus, I'm going to do that. And so, um, you know, you're not eating meat sacrificed to idols because you brought a Christmas tree into your house. You know, you're just, you're, you're looking for a reason to celebrate, and this is just a fun way to celebrate the Lord Jesus. Yeah, good. I, I, we probably do have more common ground than we're, we're even intimating here with this conversation. <laughs> You're breaking my heart with Augustine. It, I found out something interesting today about Martin Luther as well. Luther didn't like Christmas and some of the, the stuff associated with St. Nick and the, the oh, yeah. saint and all that. So he came up with this, this new holiday. In German, it was the equivalent of Kris Kringle, and we celebrate you know Christ as a child. And now we call Santa Claus Chris Green. <laughs> yeah, I, I literally saw the same thing today because I was just I was I was inundating myself with all this stuff. I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to Tony about this. So yes, you're absolutely right. Martin Luther hated this. Yeah, like he, he thought that not Christmas per se, but like the but saints. Santa Claus being uh, kind of like outshadowing the reason for the season, right. which is Jesus. Right. Um, so yeah, he he in German the 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 term is. Um, uh, the Chris Chris Kringle term. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's like um, Kinder or something. Christ Kinder. Christ Kinder. Christ yeah, Kinder. Yeah. Kinder means child in German. Right. So Christ Kinder. And then over time, the Dutch started like just butchering that, and then like so then they start. That was another name for Santa Claus was <laughs> Chris Kringle. Um, and anyway. Martin Luther is rolling over in his grave, <laughs> which he probably would be doing with, every time we baptize a confessing yeah. believer here at Verse by Verse. So. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so yeah, there, there's a, definitely a, a mixed history with this, and you know, ultimately, I think it's it's one of those things where um, you, you see this with not just traditions like this. You see this with other things we do in the church, where the world tries to grab on to something like that and secularize it or, sure. you know, because in general, um, I think people do want the elements of what we have as Christians, brotherhood and, you know, the community of saints uh, that, you know, everyone loves that, you know, uh, the, the statement, God is love, right? Everyone loves those things. There are elements in Christianity that people just kind of go, yeah, we want that. But they don't want the actual substance of it, which is yeah. Christ. Um, and they so, even have now like atheist churches that meet, right? Yeah, I remember Tommy Nelson making fun of them, saying like they're singing "God, you're not my God," you know, like their <laughs> worship songs. Like, what do they sing? Do they sing Bob Dylan or what? You know, I don't know. Uh, yeah. But there's this desire for some kind of well, we would say like the human heart was made to worship. They're going to worship something. Right. There's there's just this craving to even if it's your own ideology, right? You're going to worship that. So. Yeah, and I like capturing that that kind of human intuition for something meaningful in, in terms of drawing them to Christ. And so Christmas is helpful in that regard yeah. for me as a pastor. Best part of Christmas, I'll tell you for me, is the songs. Yeah, that was actually one of the things I was going to ask you, because I know that you— I'm a, so I'm a singy, songy person. You are. I like to sing stuff. Sometimes I walk around here in the office and sing, and um, the— the combination of great lyrical content with music that not only is like strong and 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 good and feeds my soul, it brings back these these uh, reminiscences of my childhood. You yeah. Know? So and it's seasonal, 
And there's something to the seasonality. The, the Old Testament even had this in terms of you have uh, the three feasts throughout the, the Hebrew calendar. You would mm-hmm. have first fruits, and you would, and it was usually designed around the agricultural calendar. But the seasonality of things is powerful. And so we get to Christmas time. It's this season of singing these songs that I've been singing since a kid. They're Christological, a lot of them. They're rem- reminding me of of the truths that I hold to so strongly, and yet they're also like artistic and musical and powerful. I love it. That's the best part of yeah. Christmas. So we'll, I guess we can end on this. Yeah. Favorite Christmas hymn and why? And I'll, I'll give you mine. Well, I've already said mine several times. I know, times. but you haven't told the audience, so you got you to gotta tell them. I love Hark the Herald Angels Sing, not only because of the theological concepts that are in it, the incarnation and the intersection of Jesus' humanity and Jesus' yeah, deity. It's, it's incredible. It's sublime. Sure. Yeah. But I also love, and this is what we've talked a little bit about this, I love the history of that carol, because if you go and you study it— um, Charles Wesley wrote it, but he didn't write it as Hark the Herald Angels Sing. He, he wrote it as some crazy thing, this Welkin Comes or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember the exact title. And it was kind it of— It means a, almost the same thing. Welkin is like—I uh, forgot. I, I, I know a little bit of it. It does, history. but he didn't think that angels sing. So George oh. Whitfield came along and took the hymn and basically bastardized it by adding this statement about angels singing, and it— infuriated Charles Wesley because yeah. he didn't see angels singing. He didn't think they sing. Because strictly speaking, the passage in— uh, two, they exclaim. Yeah. They don't sing. Yeah. So, And they had their own issues anyway, George Whitfield <laughs> and the Wesleys. So uh, Wesley, John Wesley and Charles Wesley both, never sang that song again, the song that they wrote. George Whitfield took it, and it's become like this incredibly famous hymn that everybody attributes to Charles Wesley. He wouldn't sing it again because— Whitfield had changed it and added this component that he didn't like. Still with that, and I love George Whitfield too, I love the the theology of that song still resonates totally. and it has survived. Whether angels sing or not, the, <laughs> the, the truth of it is is basically, you know, Luke 2, Matthew 1, the yep. incarnation, the glory of what transpired as Jesus came into our world. What yeah. what what's not to love about that as a pastor? Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I that that's one that um if you, you don't don't even sing it, just like just listen to the lyrics and let that kind of penetrate your heart. You you had mentioned the other day about uh, or a few weeks ago about you know you should always be preaching the gospel to yourself. Well, that yeah. that song definitely does that. It's you know you could just sing that song all the time in your head, and then it's you know that's the gospel permeating your heart. Second favorite, O Come O Come Emmanuel. Okay, I love the minor key feel yeah. to that. And it's one of the only Christmas carols that has kind of a dirge feel to it still. Mm-hmm. It's it's a sad song in the way that it's sung, but it it's it's uh exemplifying something beautiful. Yeah. So what about you? Uh yeah, so we talked about this not too long ago. And you'll have to actually elaborate on something for me because I'm I'm curious. But uh my my number one favorite is um Oh Holy Night. Yeah. I I it, for for a similar reason for why you like Hark the Herald and uh, and um, uh, O Come Emmanuel. It has this. It has, I think, really solid theological points. Um, but there's that part where it like shifts from this like, you know, almost like wispy, ethereal. We're not going anywhere to this minor chord, and it's like fall on your knees, right? Yeah. And it's just like 
every time we get to that part, I feel it in my spirit. I'm just yeah. like, oh yeah, I just want to worship the Lord, you know. And I, I, so that's that would be why I I really appreciate Oh Holy Night. I know yeah. you had mentioned something about the author. Um, I don't I don't know anything about him. <laughs> yeah, um, written in French initially. I do know that. The second verse, if you've ever listened to the second verse, it's mm-hmm. basically the social gospel. Yeah, because the slave is our brother. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, it's not bad, but it's... Well, and I know that um, they were, uh, the, the authors were abolitionists. Yeah. So that was very much on their mind when they wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't necessarily fault them for that. In, in Philemon, right, uh, you have Paul basically urging uh, this guy Onesimus uh, to... Right. Uh, uh, free the slave. Yeah, to free the slave, like treat him as your brother, Right. right? Um, so, like, I would say that there is even biblical reason sure. to, to suggest that, um, yeah. and and I agree. Like, I think I think we may even be more sensitive to stuff like that in this day and age, where there is more of a uh, even in our churches, right? There's more of a push to that social gospel and yeah. not the gospel. And yeah. so, I can I can definitely feel that. I can be a little touchy with that. Yeah, totally. and I I feel that for sure. That's my wife's favorite one. She's she sings it wonderfully and. Um, full-throatedly yeah she and that's a good song yeah totally so good well merry christmas to all of you thanks for listening in and uh yeah get to church this christmas time it's a good time to celebrate worship the lord sing some good songs and remember what christ has done for us the incarnation coming into our world and then also good friday easter dying on the cross for our sins so see you next time with theology in action